Welcome to the Hope City Drip. This is a podcast where Ben and I, we discuss uh, the mission and the vision of our local church. And the purpose of our podcast is really for you, for those of you that have weird schedules, whether you're a shift worker and you have a commute to work and you want to listen to some good gospel-centered content, or you have littles and you constantly need to pause things and you're disrupted and you can't just sit down and read a book. And and so, uh, you know, our podcast is to just really peek the door open into the discussion of Hope City Church and um, kind of wet your whistle or just like perk your appetite for uh, what what we were passionate about, you know, passionate about Jesus, the gospel, reaching the lost in Clinton and uh, and our discussions sometimes wind and, you know, meander off off the trail. But by God's grace, I think it usually comes back to something productive. So hopefully there's a payoff and a nugget in here for for you and so this week we're going to talk about um how do we love our enemies in the context in the world that we live in that just seems to be so tribal full Mm. of hate and uh and i was thinking about that this week because this was the sermon that i preached this last sunday was on loving even your enemies and praying for them Mm -hmm. and we talk a lot about being for the city and seeking the welfare of the city. And so, you know, praying for, uh, I mean, is Jeremiah, I think, Jeremiah 29, um, says, oh, yeah. seek the welfare seek of the, the city. W- and, um, and I believe it says pray for the mm-hmm. city it's because in the city's welfare will be your welfare. Mm-hmm. And so there's a similar vibe in Jesus's teaching on loving your enemies. And so, you know, I'm like looking in uh, Matthew 5, so we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and Matthew 5, where is this at? 40. Yep, 43. Matthew five forty three says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And so there is a weird sort of call to pray for the hardest people to love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's going to be a, a thing that we bump into I, th- I think like it's inevitable that we bump into that if we're if we're seeking the welfare of the city as a whole and the community that we live in. There's people in Clinton that just aren't going to agree with everything that we're about. Yeah. And so do we exclude those people from the flourishing that we want to see here? Or do we, uh, in a strange way, include them in our prayers and in our love? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I wanted to be before we go too far into that. One of the things I wanted to be diligent with is like, we said we were going to do a little segment, a little portion of our discussion (laughs) where we talk about, uh, what What did you see? Yeah. What did you see? And, uh, what Ben, what did you see? Is there something that you've observed in Clinton over the last week? I might steal your thunder on this because I feel like this is where you're going to go. Please. With it. Um, I really, A, I didn't really get out of the house much last week. Oh. So. Why? Um, I was a uh, little little under the weather. Uh, I had like a cold. So I just, just a cold? Uh, just a cold. The sniffles. And. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, no COVIDs. Okay. No COVIDs. There's no COVIDs. And uh, so I just stayed home and uh, worked like a good old good old guy yeah and uh we got to do that but i noticed uh especially around um the the city park so like around the central fire station and then 
Oh, there's a couple other places. Are you but about to talk about road construction? Well, that Is they that redid the roads. Oh, right. They redid like right before Ragbri. And oh, I didn't yeah. go on those roads during rag, like the week of right. Ragbri, so I did last week. And they it looks really nice. Right. And so I just noticed that they were... And what I'm getting at is they, I, we, we beautified the city for preparing for other people to come. Yeah. And I want to carry that attitude going forward, which I'm stealing your thunder. Oh, sure. Yeah. Zane Pennock needs a promotion. That's also what we're saying. And he's concerned with a lot of the roads. Like that's one mm. of his things that he focuses on, I think. Well, if you are the city <laughs> treasurer and you're listening... Please, uh, Nobody's listening to this. Put a 0.7 increase in our taxes to give Zane a, a nice raise. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I don't agree with that. <laughs> Please don't. None of it comes out of my taxes. Hope City does not con- <laughs> not promote the, the, the taxation. Okay, well, ro- open up to Romans 13, and then we're going to teach on the relationship between following Jesus and government. Um, no, so you've noticed the beautification of roads. Why yeah. should we care about that? As I'm curious on what you think about this. As Christians, like we're trying to build a local church. Why should we care about roads? The first thing that comes to mind for me is like how much time we all spend on the roads driving or the few of us that bike. Sure. Like if you're going somewhere and the roads are bad, that's going to ruin your attitude. I know for me, like if I'm hitting potholes and stuff, and I'm like, oh, like, and then you show up to like church and I'm just like angry because I think I just put three thousand dollars of damage in the three mile drive to church <laughs> on the pothole. So I think it just helps put you in. A, for me, it just like helps my mood. On your way to church? Yeah, anywhere. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to Walmart or Home Home Depot, most likely. Uh, let's be honest. And uh, so I love it. It just helps my mood, but it also it it, it shows. I think it shows we care. Sure. Yeah. Like it's, it shows that you care about the thing that people are going to see the most when they come through town. Right. Is your roads. Right. You got to drive on them. That's true. We do have to drive on them. And so there's a book I really like. It's called uh, Palaces for the People. And it's about social infrastructure. Mm. So physical infrastructure being roads, right? Um, the social infrastructure would be like coffee shops and restaurants. Mm. Um, places where people, or the library even, where people congregate. It's mm. like community glue, you know. It's a, it's a, it's sticky spots for relationships to form, and uh, so I don't know. I think you're right. I think roads, road, roads are a good like indicator of what's going on. Like, are people fixing roads? Also, are we? Do we have anything to drive to? You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, commu- yeah, I don't know. Just the well-being and the welfare of the community. Like, I've had a lot of conversations with people about simple things like roads that lead to conversations about Jesus, you know, mm. like I've heard people that talk about, well, Jesus, I mean, most Jesus used roads. There you go. That's, that's a little hanging fruit right wow. there. Just gonna Speaking that of off for roads, you know who used roads? Jesus. Jesus. And you know what Jesus gives salvation right there. So end of the podcast right there. Uh, that's what we came here for. If you didn't pick up anything else this week, just know that Jesus used roads <laughs> and salvation comes from Jesus. That's true. That's so, just true. So next time you're driving on a smoothly paved road or a fresh blacktop road, think of the gospel. Just think of your salvation. <laughs> wow. I wasn't going to think of that before, but now I am. So you saw roads. 
I really don't have anything. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know what I've noticed this week. Ooh, I got a question then for you since you didn't see anything. Jog my memory. I don't know. You, so you went to Des Moines yeah, last week. This last Sunday. What yeah. did you notice about Des Moines that allowed you to think about Clinton? Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. In yeah, a good yeah. or a bad way. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like what did you, what, what made you either love Clinton more or like spark an idea, you know yeah. what I mean, about like the city? So, uh... I'm going to meander a little bit, but so we, my wife and I and family, we took a little vacation, right? Um, it was a staycation. So we, uh, we stayed in Clinton, Mm -hmm. but for the first day and a half, we went to Des Moines and visited our, um, our sending church. So frontier church and those folks are dear friends there. They, uh, uh, are the right hand man to the lead pastor there, the associate pastor at uh, frontier good friend of ours, their family is moving to Texas. Mm. And that's where they're from. But they were here from the beginning of Frontier Church that planted in Des Moines about five years ago. And they've put blood, sweat, and tears into that thing and given their life to starting that church and reaching the lost in Des Moines. And they've they've done a great job there. And and they got an opportunity to go to back to Texas where their family is, and they're growing you know, their own kids and everything are, they just miss home, I think. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's been a great opportunity for them to go where God's calling them now to Texas at work at a different church down there. So anyways, we were up there at a party to send them off mm. and it was awesome. And so one of the things that um, Holly and I noticed is that we have all these relationships there. Sorry, I can see you watching <laughs> Winnie. I don't, I doubt the camera can see that, but She's scratching at the a wrong cat door. Does this weird thing where she like puts her paws up and then she sc- paws at doors or couches or whatever, but she has no front claws. So then she just like, she looks like a psychopath. It's weird. Hmm. So she's broken. And uh, anyways, there's a party. <laughs> there was a party. It was a send-off party. And we gathered around uh, Andrew and Tracy, are their names, and we prayed for them and we shared stories with them and we laughed and it was awesome. And Holly and I looked at each other and we were just thankful that so many of those people there we, we know and love and are dear to us. And it was actually kind of sad for us mm-hmm. because even though I'm from Clinton, um, we are not as well connected here as we were in Des Moines. You know, like we had um, a pretty tight knit friend group and pretty tight-knit community at Frontier Church. And it was nice to be in a room full of people that we just knew everyone. Mm-hmm. There wasn't all there wasn't any awkward conversations of like, hey, what do you do for a living? It was like right into the meat and potatoes of what you what you want to talk about, deep things and all that. And so church planting, you know, coming we're planting out of Des Moines, you know, out of that church. And really it's like getting booted out of the nest. And so when you ask me like what do I notice that Clinton has or doesn't have um, for me personally, Clinton still doesn't have the, the, well, this isn't Clinton thing. This is a me thing and the hope city thing is that starting a new church is starting, not just the organization of the church. It's starting new relationships mm-hmm. and that is going to feel weird. Um, it's just, it's hard, you know, you're building not only programs and, um, yeah, the organizational structure and what we do as a church, you know, our ministries, but we're, 
we're really starting from scratch with a lot of relationships, mm -hmm. especially people who don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, they don't know anything about the church, let alone our lives. And so we're trying to bring all these people together that weren't together. And, you know, I don't, you've probably noticed this is that people from different churches um, who have left those churches over the years, whether it's a church around here or a church where maybe they moved from or whatever, mm -hmm. there's folks that are from different church backgrounds that are now together at Hope City Church. And, uh, you know, you've been walking with Jesus some other place for a while, and then now you're walking with Jesus in this place in Clinton. It's just an adjustment. Yeah. So um, we're still in that adjustment phase that forces me to really trust in the Spirit's work. You know, um, in, in the New Testament, it's full of stuff that talks about God um, knitting together the church community by his Spirit. That's that one great unifying factor. Um, you, you probably, it was interesting. We were talking about on the porch where you were like, how would I share with like someone, one of my buddies, what's Hope City like? Or what's the, what's a community group like? Mm -hmm. And I thought it was funny that you're like, yeah, we do we eat a meal. We go talk about the scriptures. And then there's also probably some, some weird people there. <laughs> and I think that that's totally a testament to the spirit of God. Yeah. Bringing together people that probably otherwise wouldn't have been brought together. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a number of people. I'm just totally going to say this. There's a number of people at our church, every church I've been a part of, that I would not have sought out just purely to like yuck it up and play video games with or like because, you know, we share all the same interests. Mm -hmm. And I frankly think that's what's beautiful about the church. Yeah. Is we're prioritizing relationships that otherwise we wouldn't if we were just left to our own devices. Yeah. So... Anyways, bridge, bridging into loving, loving your enemy. enemy. Yeah. Um, do you find it hard to navigate? Uh, like what's, I feel like there's pe different personality traits uh, in a world that's so tribal, like whether it's masks or Republican or Democrat or whatever it is. Do you like navigating that? Like some people find a weird joy in talking about divisive issues and have you been vaccinated and bringing up these conversations or do you kind of like try to stay away and to stay away from that and be the fun guy just like smiley guy that yeah because i guess i've been around i've worked around people most of my working life in like a serving aspect whether it's a group personal trainer you know customer service working in medical fields and helping patients like you kind of get a sense, like you're going to hear everything and you get a sense of it and you just learn like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. Like I just want to know you. Like, yeah. So that's why like I don't bring up the back, like what good are we going to get? What's the end goal out of this conversation? Probably we're going to hate each other at some point. We're going to disagree. Mm, yeah. So like I don't even touch the stuff usually. Yeah. Like I, or I don't start it. If it's someone yeah. that like brings it up and I'm like, yeah, like X, Y, Z, but like, if it's someone I know that I'm going to disagree, like I blatantly know it, I'm going to disagree with them because they're blasting their issues on Facebook. Right. I'm not going to touch it because mm -hmm. what, what's the win? Right. What's the best thing to come out of that? You figure out all the reasons why to hate them. Exactly. <laughs> why they should hate you. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I just don't see a, a win that comes out of bringing a lot of that stuff up. I try not to, um, that's what everything else is centered around. And I don't want to bring that into conversations. Like I want to be a different type and I, I whiff because I'm kind of awkward socially sometimes. So like 
I just most of the time probably just like sit there and in my head I look cool and like I'm listening and I'm just like you might be awkward but you compensate with humor you know probably you're to the a funny fault. guy probably to a fault maybe but I, there's a lot worse faults to have so yeah that's my that's my thing with talking to someone I know I disagree with I don't bring up the things that we're going to disagree on sure I found it interesting when I was reading and preparing for the sermon I was thinking about how Jesus says um for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And do do you not even the tax collectors do the same? And tax collectors were scum to most Jews because they were the sellouts mm-hmm. that went over to the Roman side and said, hey, yeah, we'll collect taxes from our own people, you know, confiscate their money, things like that. Um, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. So there's this, Jesus brings up two groups of people that are notoriously... Um, seen as other outcasts, scum, you know, non-Jews and the tax collector, trader Jews. I almost said trader Joe's. You did. <laughs> trader <laughs> trader Joe's. <laughs> That's too much. We're going to uh, get lost on that. Oh, okay. Let's change topics here. <laughs> um, so where was I going with that? Tax collectors. So the modern day, who are the modern day tax collectors? So the modern day tax collectors would be people that we perceive as other, not worthy of inclusion in our group. And so I think there is all sorts of politicized stuff, right? Like I I feel it all the time when I'm having conversations with certain people is that they're feeling out, all right, what side of the aisle is he? Yeah. You know, uh, oh, he hasn't been vaccinated or, oh, he has been vaccinated. You know, he's probably... If someone's been vaccinated, they probably voted for Biden. Or, you know, you haven't been vaccinated, you probably voted for Trump, you conservative fascists or whatever. And, you know, it's hard. I, I just think that it's really hard because how do we cut through to the main thing? How do yeah. we get to Jesus and him crucified if we're constantly talking about politics? This is like easier said than done, but... I think just address the elephant in the room. Yeah. And just be like, have you done that recently? Like, can you walk us through maybe not recently, but I have before. Okay. Um, and it's someone that I knew. So it's not like a stranger that like, I was just like, all right, dude, like listen up. But it's like someone I knew and we were on the verge of like hitting that like full speed ahead and just going to blow up Michael Bay style. And like, I was just like Bay style. The, Everything goes in slow motion. Optimus Prime comes out of somewhere. It's like, <laughs> um, don't tell them who you voted for. But I just, <laughs> I just addressed it. I was just like, hey, like, I didn't was probably wasn't that chipper, but I'm just like, here's yeah. the thing. Like, we're gonna disagree on this. Yeah. At the end of the day, like we've known each other for too long. Right. That it's what does that? What's the win that's gonna come out of us arguing? Yeah. Like, let's get to the main thing that we're here to do. Right. And Which like, is what? We were catching up, just just hanging out, catching oh, up. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, I think we were even probably like going through some, each going through stuff. So we're just meeting to like, yeah, help each other, support each other. So I was just like, like, what, what, what's the best that's going to come out of this if we just keep not like knocking heads? Yeah. Let's, let's just be humans and we can agree. We can disagree with each other and love each other. I was with a friend who kept using the phrase recently. He said, um, you have friends. Uh, no, he was a ministry friend. He's actually, he's actually my, uh, coach for, uh, 
He's a paid friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something in it for him. No, I don't. He's not like I pay him to be a coach. <laughs> it's a coach in our network that wants us to succeed because he loves Jesus too. And so he was telling me how he, he was like, um, every, we are, um, we all together, everybody, no matter where you're from, he, he was saying how we're all made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why someone can be welcomed into our group and we can love them and they can, they can feel like they have dignity, right? Because they really do. You know, it is, you don't have to be even a Christian to be welcomed into a Christian community. Yeah. Um, and so that is because every person's made in the image of God. You don't just suddenly get value by becoming a Christian. You already have value. Mm-hmm. And, and yet cool. the gospel, I found it interesting. Um, where is this at? It's in Ephesians. Paul says that the dividing wall of hostility is, is knocked down and, um, this is classic move here where I'm like, I'm going to quote this scripture that I have no idea where it's at while I'm in the moment. Um, somebody who knows their Bibles better than I do can probably find this, but it's basically Paul gives the argument. He's saying how we, um, in the dividing wall of hostility, what, what keeps us, you know, think about the dividing wall of hostility in the, in practical terms of like Republican and Democrat, that dividing wall is that big aisle you know, where you're sitting on one side or the other and how can I love somebody? Like, how can I love my, my uncle or some, you know, weirdo who, who is sending me emails saying like, you're, you know, nothing. If you're, you're some idiot sheep, if you're a Democrat Mm -hmm. or vice versa, like what actually knocks that wall of hostility down, um, in a world where there is tribal tendencies. And, And the Bible says is that in Christ, his flesh was broken and beaten down so that that dividing wall of hostility can be knocked down. And so now we have the opportunity to be unified because we can look point to Christ and say all of the animosity and the source of tension and everything has been heaped onto Christ and obliterated, you know, Michael Bay style on the cross. And now we're, we're free to love one another because we have a unity that's Mm -hmm. been purchased by Christ. And that's why, uh, and I'm mainly speaking to Christian, like yeah. when you're in the church, um, if we believe in the gospel, then that's everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it's still hard. I don't know. Like, have you bumped into any difficulties <clears throat> recently on like, man, this person sees me as an enemy, you know, maybe they don't use that language or you don't use that language, but yeah. And I guess just, for sake of what I want to get to, I'm going to skip the what happened with it. But I think a big... You're going to... I want to get to application. You're going to cut the kitty stuff and sh- show me the crap yourself move? Not even that. That's a I'm going to keep you waiting. Point. Oh, okay. But I, I want to get to applications. Sure. Because I think just me telling people about um, enemy conversations, they're probably going to focus more on that than like, how do we how do we do what Jesus said to do? Yeah. So how do you love your enemies? How do I love my enemies? Like, what are what are steps? If someone here, someone's listening um, and they're like, I just can't stand my parents. Like, we have a bad relationship. How do I love them and pray for them? Right. Let me offer real, real quick. Sorry. This is the, this is, I guess I can't get off the conceptual horse here, but the uh, enemy thing, I think some people that are listening might say, man, enemy is kind of a harsh term. I don't view anybody as my enemy yeah. or whatever. I think that enemy, you could use the word enemy here. Um, 
as whoever makes your life miserable, whoever mm-hmm. has the tendency or group of people or person that makes your life very, very hard. And so Jesus says, pray for them. Like in the text, it says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So persecution is this really, really difficult thing, which I don't think anybody's relationships are on that level right now in this immediate community. Yeah, There are certainly Christians all over the world being persecuted, yeah. but I don't think there's any Christians being persecuted in Clinton. No. So... Fortunately. Fortunately, yeah. We praise God for that. But there are people that receive mild persecution, if I can use the word persecution. Maybe mild antagonism or something. Mm-hmm. You know, feeling like the they're being marginalized or hated on or insulted or whatever. Um, the tendency, right, is the natural tendency is to just not love them and to, like, fight back and assert my freedom. I'm better mm-hmm. than you and I'm right. So I think practically... Pray for people that make your life miserable is how I would say step number one, um, remember the gospel that ultimately Christ took that, like he knocked the dividing wall of hostility down on the cross. Mm -hmm. And so the hard work is done. The heavy lifting is totally done. And so you're uh, then praying for um, your enemy to meet Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I think praying for your enemy's salvation and not in a self-righteous way. I think there's a way in which we could do that. Like, all right, you know, you're sitting with a group of friends. To my agenda, like, like, we yeah. need to pray for Bethany because she is so off the rails in her mm-hmm. conspiracy theories and such a moron. And it's like, all right, now we're just gossiping. Mm-hmm. I think in the private, you know, prayer closet of your own individual spirituality, like, have a list of people that you have find hard to be with and mm-hmm. pray for them to meet Jesus. And then not only that, I think pray for your own humility. Yeah. As I say, pray for your heart towards them. Yeah. yeah. Like the humility softening of a heart. Yeah. What would you say? How would you, I would say that, that, um, but as well as like, um, I think that this is a showing of like step one leads to, you know when step one's working when number two happens, but you you're not gossiping about them. Yeah. So like if you're there's someone that makes your life really hard, or if you do have an enemy, and you're normally going around just bad mouthing them, right? Like behind their back. Yep. Stop. Yep. Stop gossiping. Stop talking bad about them. Yeah. And either don't say start just not saying anything at all, or even try and like compliment them behind their back and just try yeah. and like I think that shows a lot of like the spirit's work through prayer yeah. coming through as well. So let me, let me end with, I do, I have to say this is on my mind is that there's so many, um, blogs or like, okay, there's this podcast called, um, uh, the, what is it called? It's something about the fall of Mars Hill. You know, you've heard of that podcast. You, you told me about it. Um, if anybody hasn't heard about it, there used to be this huge mega church called Mars Hill church out in Seattle. It was a cool, like hipster church and. Um, big high profile pastor named Mark Driscoll. Well, I, uh, when I was younger, like 10 years ago, I was, I was pretty into his sermons. He was a pretty compelling communicator and he was communicating the gospel in a fresh way. I was like, man, I understand this. And it's kind of cool. He wears like tap out shirts and talks about Jesus. And at the time I was like, that's kind of cool. Right. And now I'm like, this is a little bit hokey, um, schmaltzy or whatever. Uh, now he's but, wearing salt life shirts. Yeah. He, dude. Anyways. Um, I, I, uh, idolized the man to a certain degree. I put him up on a pedestal and 
when that church fell because of some moral failures on his part and you know he mishandled some things and it was not a good thing and he abused his position of power and i think a lot of people uh ended up demonizing him and hating him because of that and i think one of the testaments to where a person is at in their walk with christ um as it relates to loving enemies is are you able to love even those that have legitimately wronged you? Mm-hmm. Um, because someone who's a Democrat and you hate Democrats, that's one thing. That person may have never personally wronged you. But I think the rubber meets the road when, you know, it's your ex-spouse or an ex-pastor. I was going to say, yeah, because we just have this, it's just with the Mars Hill thing, like how many times on Twitter or mm-hmm. anything you hear of a, any scandal in the church, you yeah, know, you never hear Ravi any good Zacharias thing. Yeah, you or, never hear any good thing. You just hear the scandal. So it's like, it's just out there. And, you right. know, all these people that are getting hurt from that, you know, and it's just, yeah, I think would be, we should be bringing that up as how do you, like you said, like it hit, bring it home to yeah. that situation of like someone that wronged you or yeah. hurt you or. Because the progression for every human being is, you know, Roman says that we're all enemies. Mm -hmm. Um, we were in sin and enemies when Christ died for us. And so he loved us when we were enemies. And then we progressed from enemy to friend Mm -hmm. by his grace. And so that's what, that's again, why I love the table so much, like table fellowship and inviting people to the table, because we're taking people who are strangers and enemies and bringing them to a place of belonging and friendship. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm praying for someone that's legitimately wronged me, um, I'm praying for them to meet Jesus in a way that transforms them to be a friend of God's and then maybe could be a friend of mine. Yeah. You know, that's, that'd be radical. <clears throat> well, think of like, I just thought of this too. So um, I don't know the full spectrum detail of what happened at Mars Hill with Mark Driscoll and I don't want to speculate, but let's just sure, say, I don't either. Yeah. Let's just say me and you, for example, were uh, per- attendees of members of the church of Mars Hill when mm-hmm. that happened if we go around and we're gossiping and bad mouthing, like what does that say about us as Christians? If non-believers are, are overhearing, that's right. But if we're sitting there and we're tribal. praying for it, yeah. praying for him and, and acknowledging that, but praying for him and praying for his renewal and his revival and for right. Jesus to, to lead him and help him and that he repents. Right. Like what does that show more? So it shows more unity. That's right. And I think when I read the Bible, you see more, avenues of unity more than yeah definitely the infighting and the devouring of one another is something that is a mark of sinfulness and Mm -hmm. not a mark of the redemption that christ brings so yeah i mean that's and that hits home man i mean i've talked to so many people in this community that have so much church hurt from various church backgrounds i mean it's not a uncommon unfortunately it's just not uncommon for people to go through um hurt by leaders and other people in their life. And, and that turns, you know, folks that, yeah, were put on a pedestal. And oftentimes what's hard about this is that people were, people put others up way too high. Yeah. And then whatever you idolize, ironically, Mark Driscoll said this, um, whatever you idolize, you ended up, you end up demonizing. So if, if you make an idol out of a man, you will end up demonizing that man Mm -hmm. because he is not God and he will fail to perform on that. Yeah. So loving someone who is your enemy, who has wronged you personally, made your life hard is a mark of the spirit of God in your life. Cause that just doesn't happen. You know, I, I love to think through, um, 
you know, I've, I read writers like Jonathan Edwards sometimes when he talks about, um, you know, he lived through the Great Awakening where there was a lot of spiritual activity. Crazy stuff was happening. There was revival. And a lot of people like to talk about, like, what, what are some signs of revival? Like, what are, some, what are some sure, you know, things that we can look at and say, that's evidence of God's spirit working. And, you know, one of the things that people point out is that even miracles Satan can do. Like Satan did miracles all over the Bible. There's certain sensational miracles that just don't necessarily mean God's working. You know, charismatic teaching doesn't necessarily mean God's working. Incredible music doesn't mean God's working. You know, even a healing. Snakes, you know, getting like staffs getting turned into snakes like in mm -hmm. Exodus. Even Satan and the magicians did that. So what is evidence of grace? And I think that if a person is praying for their enemies, mm -hmm and loving their enemies out of a place of self-sacrifice and self-denial in the way of the cross and wanting them to generally meet Jesus and not gossiping about them, that's some next level stuff. Like that to me is, next level. is evidence of God's grace. So that would be my prayer for our church and for other churches experiencing stuff like that where, you know, whether it's an ex-husband or leader or I don't know, whoever it might be, a po political opponent. Yeah, fill in the blank. Yeah, enemies are abound, you mm -hmm. know, which is an unfortunate thing about living in a fallen world, but we are called to love them and pray for them like Christ did. Yeah. Doesn't mean foolishly trust them, but it does mean love them to the point where you want them to experience the reconciliation mm -hmm. of Christ like you received it. Mm -hmm. So that's some gospel-centered stuff. Like, I feel that like is. we have to have a gospel-centered mindset with that or it's going to be, because if we have a workspace mindset, our, our our look at our enemies is going to be like, you need to do all the work. You need to take responsibility and dig yourself out of the hole and not be so bad. And it's like, well, that's not what God did with you. Mm. You know, like he saved you when you were making a ton of mistakes. So, I don't know. Any final nope, app words of application? I think that's a good... Okay. Meeting adjourned. Cool. Love your enemies just like Christ loved you when he was when you were his enemy. Mm-hmm.